This week on Waxing the Porpoise, G-Baby and the Usual Suspect Steve, once again welcome back, returning champion, Channel 83, I lived my life a quarter mile at a time, Chris, to dust off our spurs and break down Clint Eastwood's highly acclaimed modern western, Unforgiven, from 1992. Join us as we bust out the good tarp and hear slander cast down on Remember the Titans, how stories can be mythologized over time, and regale you with past acrobatic feats of Steve's unit of a cat, Charles. Call this game fair, or I'll go to the papers. Let's wax this irredeemable porpoise. Cat's been napping for like three hours, and as soon as the record button starts, I wow, <laughs> All right, welcome to Waxing the Porpoise. We are back again on episode. Wow, <laughs> that's my cat. That's my friend's cat. Uh, we're gathered here to discuss, uh, another film. This time, uh, we're digging into Unforgiven from 1992. Joining us, as always, you've got myself this evening, Jim G. Baby. Laid out the tarp, got out that uh, good-ass baby oil, that was it. <laughs> Just, burn, burn, got a power stance. <laughs> uh, and, of course, to my virtual right, we have the usual suspect, Steve. Because he's my best friend, he's my pal, he's my homeboy, my rotten soldier. How's it going? What's that from, brother man? That's going from good? what we do. What we do in the shadows. Are you um, a fan? I've never seen it. The missus has watched it and she likes it a lot, but I've never never seen it. It's it's damn good. I think you would like it. It's it's kind of it's got your kind of cynical kind of humor, dark humor. I think you it's it's cheesy in spots, but uh, yeah, I think you dig it. My favorite part about that workaholics clip that you played is. You used to always misquote it. You yeah. Know, like, get out that good tarp and get that baby oil. I'm like, no, it's yeah. the baby oil is good. It's you don't- get, the, get the tarp and get the good baby oil. Yeah. I always thought in my head it was funnier, though, that he had a distinction between levels of tarp. Like, no, yeah. I reserve this for the good tarp. <laughs> I guess that is pretty good. Well, that's that's how the name of the show, too. Like, I for like nine or 10 years, I was completely convinced it was Waxing the Porpoise and it was Park the Porpoise from that uh, Van Wilder. But uh, And then, of course, we have returning champion Chris from Channel 83. A man in Taiwan reportedly cut off his own penis to win an argument with his wife. That reminds me of that episode of Everybody Loves Raymond, where Raymond forgot Deborah's birthday and had to cut his own cock off. <laughs> <laughs> How's it going, Chris? Long That's time a no good app. Good app. <laughs> Speaking of which, I don't know if you guys experience this with like Tubi or whatever streaming services that have commercials where it just gets in like a loop of every commercial break. It shows you the exact same fucking commercial. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. For some funny. reason, 
this past week, it has decided to show me the Brad Garrett, Jimmy John's commercial, which <laughs> wow. I didn't know existed because I didn't watch the 2021 Super Bowl. So that's like brand new to me. I'm like, oh, <laughs> fuck yeah. <laughs> Where he always calls it Jimmy's John's. Yeah. That's good fun. stuff. Good, clean, <laughs> clean humor. <laughs> and speaking of Super Bowls, your prediction was right on the money, Jim, except for you had the teams reversed. Yep. I had them inverse. Yeah. Rigged. It was weird. I saw a lot of 37, 34, like 37, 35, 38, 35. Like, I don't know if I was pulling from the ether, like the fucking, the hive mind or something on that one. But when I went and looked back at it, I was like, that's, it's really weird. It's a, it's a very, I don't know. I don't want to go down that rabbit hole. (laughs) Critical mass. That'd be fun. Um, Cool. So I guess before we get into the uh, the film, you guys got anything new you want to share? Anecdotes? Uh, what you've been watching? Anything interesting doing before we get into it? Uh, been lo- watching a lot of westerns, which I guess ties into this tonight's episode. Um, I think on one of your most recent episodes, you mentioned watching a Richard Thomas movie, and that was is this John Boy. Yes, I want you to know that that is stalking Laura, also known yes. as I Can Make You Love Me, <laughs> <laughs> which I did review on Channel 83 way back in the day. And did you? Damn. I'm going to yeah. have to flash back to that. That's awesome. I think Richard Thomas is fucking the undisputed king of made-for-TV movies. He's in so many good ones. Yeah. I I I have a like a nostalgic draw to him because my mom loved the Waltons and she loved John boy's character in particular. So I remember like having to like watch so much of it that I like started to buy into it at a young age. So yeah, I have like, I like him from it a lot too. Yeah. I haven't seen him in anything other than it until like three or four years ago. So for me, he's just the guy from it. He's also made for TV movie. Yeah. I, I mean, he he's found his, his niche and like yeah go for it man um yeah he but, fucking rules and i watched one recently that kind of reminded me of this discussion we we're having about murder on a sunday morning steve was talking about how there's like differences in who gets to make their closing statements last which i never knew this movie was called death in small doses which was about this guy in dallas that like poisoned his wife and the trial afterwards and apparently in Texas, I can't remember the term they use, but maybe it was like reciprocal discovery where like you don't have to share the stuff that you're going to introduce into the trial until you do it, which I, I thought was fucking crazy that like on that both go- sides of the aisle, you're just like blindsiding each other in the middle of a trial. Yeah, that's not the way it's supposed to go. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is also just something they said in a made-for-TV movie, so it could not it be called? true. Reciprocal discovery? I tried to look it up. I couldn't. That's that's how I'm remembering it. But I yeah, didn't cause... feel like going into Tubi and going like trying to find this spot where <laughs> they said it. Yeah, I wonder if that's um, if it's if it's in like a really specific um, circumstance. This was also like specifically in Dallas and like it was either the late 80s or early 90s. So it may have been true at the time, but has since changed or something like that. Okay. So I found something about it that I'll, I'll, I'll look into. Um, honestly, I'm fine. I'm fine with the state 
having to be required to turn over everything they have to the to the defense. But I don't think the defense should have to turn over shit. It's like you're the one you're the one bringing the charges. If you're going to prove it, go ahead. But um, I'm not going to hand you over my playbook, basically. Yeah, and that's the way it was in the movie. Yeah, because they they typically call that stuff uh, Brady material. Um, I don't know if that's just specifically from the state over to the defense. Anyway, that might be a fun deep dive for me to just take on my own that other people don't care about. But, huh, yeah, that's interesting. Oh, I got a cat problem. Hang on. Yeah, it could just be like one of those like hyper or like regional deals. There's like a slight difference, just like how some towns and cities have all kinds of kooky ordinances and shit, which is yeah. curious how they're able to enforce some of that, like when it gets down to like the lo- super local level. But So basically, just from giving this a, a quick once over, it looks like this is the government saying basically to the defense, like, hey, we're going to require the state to turn over everything they have to you. And so we're going to require you to do the same thing. And there have been a couple funny instances where this has come up in the Murdoch trial, not to not to go down that rabbit hole at all. But uh, when we did that episode, we had talked about the the OnStar data that was downloaded and the guy spent a year decrypting oh, yeah. it using mm-hmm. his own software. Uh, a few days after we had recorded, the state gets up there and they're like, uh, yeah, apparently somebody from OnStar has been following the trial because they reached out and were like, we have all this data that no one ever asked for. So here you go. And it was like, uh, what? So the defense at first was thinking, oh, this is some kind of ambush that they had this and they were holding it back, which was not the case. But uh, on the reverse, the defense is now in their case in chief and they've put up a couple of experts who they didn't submit their final report till the night before they testified, which I mean, I, apparently they're allowed to do that. Like they can have their giant report, which has been turned over to the state. But then they'll make like a more concise PowerPoint or some sort of presentation that they only make the night before. So then when they're showing it to the jury the next day, the state is kind of scrambling a little bit like, oh, when did you make this yesterday? When did you turn it over last night? So everything's on the up and up. But there is some there's some game playing in that regard. So, well, it must it must allow for some kind of like, you know, especially if a case is like uh, drawn out. And then, well, yeah, like, what if, what if there's they're actively someone in the background investigating or or new information comes to light? Yeah, you'd want to be able to use that. So there's like, but then so the 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 gray area is like you know sandbagging it. Like, did you have something and then you're trying yes. to play and hold on to it and trying to play it off like you just found it kind of yes. thing? And so that, yeah, that happened that during like the. Uh... You have to prove when you got this shit, like. Yeah, oh, and you have to September. Yeah, you have to turn it over obviously gotcha. before you can bring it up. Like I can't remember which which trial it was recently, but they had uh, a jailhouse phone call that was recorded from the night before that they didn't tell the other side about. They just kind of brought it up and the guys like, "I, you know, he was trying to play the I don't <laughs> I didn't mean to I don't <laughs> know." Um, but yeah, they something similar happened in the Rittenhouse trial too where they're like, "We just discovered this ultra HD video that we didn't know we had until today or, or whatever. It's like, it's so, it's so transparently a lie, but yeah. Anyway. Or you get instances like the Alex Jones case where it was all turned over, but his defense attorneys just never looked at it. Yeah. I don't know was, if you guys ever heard about or that. Or if he, he submits 
erroneously like a bunch of those texts and shit, those private texts. Yeah. That were like not a good look for him at all. <laughs> like uh, I have the documents. <laughs> they, they want to denigrate. <laughs> That's pretty there, good. <laughs> there was that the moment where the the other attorney was like, "Are you aware that your lawyer accidentally gave us your entire phone?" Oh, that's for, that's what it was. Yeah, that's what I was years, thinking of. And he, and he's just on the stand. He's like, "Nice trick." <laughs> he just had, <laughs> had nothing to say. Yeah, he's like, "Yeah, yeah, you got you got your Perry Mason moment." Yeah. <laughs> nice trick. Uh, <laughs> Speaking of which, a little quick side tangent again before we get started. Uh, have either of you seen that reboot Perry Mason miniseries they did on HBO? I've never ago? even seen the original. Fucking, I never have either. I just remember the Raymond Burr's face on like TV Guide like every other fucking <laughs> week. And my grandma was in love with him. Um, they did a reboot. Uh, in on HBO, I think it was it was during the pandemic, so it was like 2020 somewhere in there. But uh, it's fucking awesome. It's got I don't I didn't know him before. His name is Matthew Reese. He was in The Americans, and he's been a couple other things. But he's a really good actor. He's fucking top notch, and that is a fucking awesome. It's like uh, not to be too cliche, but I guess it's like the equivalent, like aesthetic style and like grit of like True Detective season one, only in a courtroom. Hmm. But he's also like investigating and doing shit on the side too. It's like it's not all a courtroom drama. It's not like Law and Order style. It's super super good. They had a weird. Uh, I bring it up because it's coming back on March sixth. They had a weird like two year hiatus between season one and season two for various reasons. But yeah, I fucking highly recommend that. I'm, I'm itching to watch that. Um, it's good shit. If you're fans of like LA confidential, like hard boiled, like real gritty, it takes place in like forties, early fifties in there in LA. So I haven't seen that movie, which I know is one that it's on the list. Chaps your dick that I I tried reading the book (laughs) and gave up. I've heard his writing style in certain books can be really weird. It was tough. I had a hard time. I don't know. It's not like it was a bunch of really complicated words or it it was just like the cadence or the style of writing. I just couldn't, I couldn't get into it. So that's what I've heard. Well, I'm glad I'm not the only dumb, dumb. I know there's an, there's a couple other books like that. One that springs to mind too, is the dude who wrote world war Z. He wrote that in like a really, uh, weird style. Of like is narration it, and like first person interview and like and then like uh, third like, person omniscient. <laughs> I don't even know what you just said, partner. That's uh, just some shit they teach you in high school English. Oh, okay. So I'm an idiot. You're an imbecile. Um, <laughs> are you or are you not the black angel of death? Okay. Cool. Well, yeah, I think that wraps it up. So, Unforgiven. Uh, this one, the gauntlet was kind of thrown down a little bit haphazardly because I said I remembered not caring for it or didn't see what all the hype was. But also this. said you liked McCabe and Mrs. Miller. I love, and I <laughs> that, I'll that's where it that came statement. in. Okay. Um, I was unclear. Had you had you seen this one before, Steve? Oh no, I'd never even heard of it. Okay. And obviously, Chris is a fan. So, um, yeah, I guess we'll start with you, Steve. What did you think of this one? Is this a yay or nay for you? 
Uh, I liked it. It was a good movie. I enjoyed it. I did have a couple problems with it. Some of it, some of it are is just my own personal uh, preference, I guess, when it comes to movies. But I think also I went in with expectations that were a little too high because I, I would tend to agree that after looking at some of the reviews and, and stuff, I feel like it's a little overrated for sure. Um, because Thank when you. I, I mean, I saw it on IMDb is like 8.2, which is super high for there. And Rotten Tomatoes had it like 96, 93 or something like that. And like, that is really fucking high. Um, and I, I think in hindsight, if I would have known that going in, I would have expected something not so traditionally Western, which is kind of what I was expecting going into it. Like, Oh, Clint Eastwood, Clint Eastwood, Morgan Freeman. I was expecting more of a Josie Wales type movie. And it ended up being more of like a McCabe and Miss Miller, in my opinion. Mm. Um, mm. But yeah, so we can, we can get into more of the, the theme stuff that I didn't really care for later, yeah. but overall I did like it. I thought it was a good movie, but I think my expectations were a little too high, a uh, little long, but I can excuse the length for sure. It was more just, I don't know. It didn't really hit my, my tuning fork, but so, but it's an overall, you're calling this a win. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I would say so. Okay. Um, I guess I'll jump in right here. Uh, my suspicions were reaffirmed. I, uh, can't stand this film. I fucking Philistines. I hated this film. <laughs> there are some things that I pulled out of it and I thought, Oh, that's interesting. They took that a different way. And I like, we'll get into that too. Um, but yeah, at the end of the day, I think, and I'll put some of it on me too. kind of, I think the same way I did with, um, what was the other movie? I'm drawing a blank, but, uh, Oh, that fucking outwaters movie. Ugh, it still makes me mad. I'll put some of that on me too. Cause I, I had overhyped it in my head and I was, I feel like I was led astray by all those like high reviews and like, Oh, it's a critical, it's a return. Uh, it's a different kind of Western and Clint Eastwood. And it won like a few Oscars or more than a few or four. I don't know. Four. Okay. Yeah. I was, just, I was just expect, except expecting something way more hard hitting. And it just kind of like, it just hit me like, man, like that's the story. I didn't feel like the stakes were high enough. And, um, yeah. I mean, I'm, I know I'm jaded by this by this age now too, so um, there's that that comes into play. But yeah, at the end I was just like, I didn't like that. Fuck that. So that's how I feel, and I continue to feel that way. Uh, Chris, do you want to argue and it's or why you like it briefly uh, before we di- yeah. start dissecting? I love it. I think it's not a typical western. Um, I would. I'm more confused by the fact that you don't like it, Jim. I can see someone being lukewarm on it. I can't understand someone hating it, especially if they like McCabe and Mrs. Miller because of its <laughs> anti-Western quality, because this does that much better. I'll tell you why right now. Sorry to cut you off. Yeah. I think the thing that sticks in my craw and I can't get over it is the basically the whole premise of this gal getting her face cut up. It's like, yeah, that sucks, man. That's terrible. That's horrible. But I, with my revenge, like vengeance kind of startup that that they start you off on. I mean, like this is why. Like she gets cut up, and there needs there's retribution that needs to be paid. I was like, 
really we're gonna kill these guys and like this is the whole premise like this is where we're starting out with it 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 just feels like the stakes aren't high enough for me i would well i mean that's kind of the point it's not supposed to be a movie where you're like oh fuck yeah revenge i mean one of the huge themes of the movie is you know is retributive justice actually a good thing and can any good come from violence so it's not you're not supposed to be like (laughs) (laughs) you're not supposed to be like oh fuck yeah I guess that's fair. I didn't have maybe the right hat on. It's or... really just like a series of cascading events that all starts because some dude has a small dick. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, if we want to really cut to the core of things, um, yes. Yeah, I guess let's just, I mean, we'll get into the plot and we'll we'll hash it out as we go along. Well, this 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 is kind of the the main crux of what I didn't enjoy about it, as as has been discussed ad nauseum i'm i'm very simplistic with the types of movies that i like i like sort of more traditional frameworks like i like to know what i'm getting myself into so going into this traditional western revenge violence all all good things that i enjoy i I was trying to think of a good analogy um and the only thing i could think of was like if there was a new expendables movie that came out (laughs) you have a pretty good idea of what that movie is going to be and if if three quarters of the movie is them like wrestling with climate change or or some other issue that's like, whoa, this, I mean, yeah, that's fine. This has a place somewhere, but just not in this sort of, (laughs) you know, mindless, violent, whatever, you know, it's fine, but it it just seemed like an unexpected theme lumped in similar to McCabe and Miss Miller, just not nearly as like heavy handed. It it was much more, I don't know if subtle would be the right word, but it, it wasn't like, hung right in your face it was just kind of yeah i would say i mean it's not not subtle like you said but it's less specific i didn't like, feel like i was being scolded like i was watching mccabe and miss miller <laughs> yeah like, it's just, really just trying so to get weird. you to I think didn't about feel things. scolded either you felt scolded? i didn't either but steve just, is entitled to that thought. i just felt like yeah, the whole time fair. it's like is this what you like in western movies <laughs> viewer <laughs> And I'm just sitting there in my cowboy hat. Like, don't judge me. (laughs) What does beat guts mean? (laughs) Swing away. Hell yeah. Uh, Yeah, I understand that. Um, I guess to to start us off with, uh, so we're in the late, it's like 1880, I think. Uh, And Obviously, our main players are Clint Eastwood. Morgan Freeman is in this. Uh, Gene Hackman, that's like top billing. Uh, there's a couple other character actors that I picked out uh, here and there, but that's kind of the uh, the trifecta. And I was, ex- I honestly, I remember being like, you know, I watched this f- 15 years ago, maybe, and I was like a lot younger, and I could have just been like, yeah, this is a boring Western. So I was excited to get back into it. And I was like, fuck yeah. I was like, we got Eastwood. You know, uh, Morgan Freeman, I, I just must have been not paying attention to this film. And it starts off cool enough, but um, I get so Clint Eastwood's like your prototypical old Western guy that was like this marauding like bastard, like killed people. And like he's, you know, he found a good woman. He's changed his ways. And then she has since died. And he's this old hog farmer now with two really young kids and he's old as fuck that's the other thing man this was 92 
and he looked mm-hmm. this bad. I was like, dude. That was one of the things I, a few weeks ago, watched Space Cowboys. <laughs> and the only thing I could think of was like how it's insane that he's been doing these like one last hurrah movies for like 30 years. Yeah. He's fucking old. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I thought he was old in Grand uh that Gran Torino? Yeah. yeah. And then now he came out with Cry Macho like last year, which is another one of those like one last hurrah. I'm old as fuck. And I can't really tell a difference between Unforgiven. I think he plateaued in like uh, crustiness, like the mummification factor. Like he's just <laughs> older no, than No, I dirt. think if, if you were to just watch a clip from Gran Torino tonight, you'd be like, holy shit. He yeah, is that's decrepit fair. in that movie. Yeah, so he's almost he's almost undergone the full transformation to Crypt Keeper. Yeah, because he's like ninety. He's got to be. Damn. I mean, him and Gene Hackman are the same age within a few months of each other, and Gene Hackman retired in two thousand six yeah, or whenever Welcome Long to Mooseport came out. Yeah, goddamn Raymer. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, yeah. You know what? Laugh all you want, because I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> I will I never watch that. I thought that for sure Gene Hackman was dead, and I looked it up. Still alive. Oh, man, he's still No, nah, he just, the only thing he does is, like, voiceover work here and there. He seems like he'd be an asshole in real life. I don't know if I've read stuff that he is or he's, like, tough. I think I've read somewhere that he's, like, tough to work with. I can see him being an intense dude. I've like never I've seen said. him not play an asshole, so. Yeah, there you go. I remember I watched uh, uh, The Chamber when I was young. I think I remember liking it. You ever seen that one? Yeah, isn't that with Chris O'Donnell? Yeah. And he was like a former KKK guy. He's on trial for like killing a man or something. I don't even remember. And it's his grandson that's like prosecuting him or some shit. I don't know. Yeah, it's been a while. I think I liked him most. I liked him a lot in uh, uh, No Escape with uh, Kevin Costner, 1987, (laughs) Sean Young, Will Patton. It's a good one. Royal Tenenbaums? Oh shit! Yeah, there you go. That's probably my favorite of him. Chris has never seen Royal Tenenbaums, huh? Not a big Wes Anderson guy. What about uh, Rushmore? You like Rushmore? I do. I do like that one. Rushmore is—it's Teflon. (laughs) Yeah, I think I think Royal Tenenbaums doesn't stray too far from like the Rushmore. Once you once you get beyond that, then he did like uh, Life Aquatic and the Fox, the animated Mm -hmm. or the practical effect Fox thing. Although yeah. I I really did like Moon, Moonrise Kingdom. Have you seen that one, Steve? The camp? is that the is that the y'all? Yeah, I thought that had like a really kind of creepy pedophile. It's like a child love story. It creeped me out. I didn't really care for it. <laughs> I mean, some of it's maybe a little bit inappropriate, but I mean, fuck, it's like fourteen year old kids. It's like I think they were on, younger we're adults here. It, well, yeah, that's why it's weird. <laughs> <laughs> I like that one a lot. I thought. Especially Ed Norton was was pretty uh, cheeky in that one. Ed Norton um, is just a, a treat. You know what though? I've I've heard he's not a cool dude. Whatever. The scenes. I've heard he's a dick face. I'm sure people have said worse about me. So <laughs> that's fair. On this um, show, even <laughs> <laughs> to my face. <laughs> <laughs> um. So where? So. This it's does like, have one of my one of my favorite movie tropes in the beginning is Ah, I was gonna bring this up. I think I know where you're going with it. Do you wanna guess or do you want me to tell you and, and we can confirm if you're correct? 
I think you mentioned this in a review of another movie about how you hated that someone was shooting at cans yep. and then suddenly they're the best, but yes. this sort of like inverts that where he can't fucking shoot the cans. Yeah. Yeah. It is one of my favorite <laughs> tropes is the, uh, like, well, yes, I better re- relearn how to shoot a gun again. And, <laughs> and he's supposed to be this like illustrious fucking like killer and like stone cold murderer. Yeah. Well, and another one of my all-time favorite movie tropes is uh, the sort of bad guy who's gone straight but is drawn back in through necessity to evil. Like, I'm trying to get out, but they keep pulling me back in. And if you're into those type of movies, um, you will not enjoy the first hour and 50 minutes of this one. But that that last 20 minutes, you will just be in hog heaven. (laughs) So... Where do we start off here? Uh, there's a dude with a small dick and his cohort. They uh, they shack up in this billiard hall saloon, and the one of the prostitutes there uh, uh, laughs at his manhood, and he fucking proceeds to slice her up with a like a big ass Bowie knife and uh, cuts her face up pretty gnarly. Can and I ask so you this guys? Pack- it was it was a little unclear to me how much of a help the friend was. I couldn't tell where he was or what he was doing. Cause I, like, I wasn't sure if I was supposed to be really mad at the friend, if he helped or if he was just kind of like, uh, let's just get the fuck out of here. I couldn't he tell. Seemed what like he seemed like an doing. innocent standby. Like he was like, okay. what are you doing? Like he, he seemed like a, he didn't seem like a bad actor and all that to me. Okay. I wasn't sure if I yeah. The other, the other guy, Thirsty Mike, tells him to come in and hold her down. He doesn't hold her down, as far as I remember. Okay. He's just like, what the fuck are you doing? You say th- <laughs> his name's not Thirsty Mike. Yeah, it is. Quick Mike. Oh, Quick Mike. And there's <laughs> there's another guy named Thirsty. Oh, okay. There you go. He's got I mean, he, he went by there. Tiny He's... Dick Mike, but it didn't really affect <laughs> Damn, Tiny and Quick? Shit. <laughs> <laughs> Best of both worlds. Um, <clears throat> not much link to it, but where do you see how, or no, what is it? Not much girth to it, but where do you see how short it is? I was going to go with the uh, Deuce Bigelow, like, it's not small, it's thin. <laughs> <laughs> I got a thin dick. <laughs> Paint it chrome, you call it a kickstand. I like when he brazes him, he's like, you see this? You think I can get any money for this? <laughs> <laughs> I collect Canadian quarters. <laughs> I got about six of them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I guess while I'm here, I'll get some more sea slugs. Uh, man, old Deuce Bigelow. Um, so, yeah, th- so this happens, and then this pack of, like, this cadre of ladies of negotiable affection um, yeah, nice. are pretty <laughs> nice. Uh, they're pretty pissed off about this. And then so enter, we have... I, I thought his name was just clownish to little bill. Like keep, everyone kept referring to as like little bill. Uh, Gene Hackman is like the, what is he? Is he's like the sheriff? He's the yeah. head honcho of the town. And he's like, no, listen here. Well, we're not going to fucking, we're not going to kill him. Cause all, all the prostitutes were like fucking murder him, kill him, tar and feather him. Uh, he's like, when they come back to town in the spring, you know, the, he'll bring three horse, three good horses and this guy will bring two or whatever the fuck. And he lets them go. So off the bat, they kind of play, they try to play Gene Hackman as like, like some kind of like Baron or like, like 
he like he's the bad guy um and that's kind of what i was i got from the beginning but i guess jumping to the end it's like he's not the bad guy i feel like i felt like gene hackman was in the right at the end like his character like he's trying to uh like stabilize like this town and keep it peaceful by having the ordinance and no guns and shit. I mean, he is a kind of a slime ball and, but for, for everything that like plays out, like I felt like it's like, no, Clint Eastwood's a bad guy. And it just, this film's just like certifying that by the end, like what he does. Um, I just didn't think it, it like warranted like where, like the direction that he went with everything. Did you guys get that, or am I alone in my principles on this one? I would say that there are no clear-cut good or bad guys, really, on either side. Fair. With yeah. possibly the exception of Morgan Freeman. Like yeah. him being kind of like neut- a neutral. He's Switzerland here. Yeah. Okay. And yeah, speaking I mean- of dumb names, uh, very little of this movie was changed from script to shooting, but one of the things they did change is that Clint Eastwood's outlaw name in the original script was Three Fingered Jack. That That's was pretty like, badass. Uh, normally, but for this movie, that seems a little bit hokey. Yeah, it's probably a good decision that they didn't uh, include like some kind of moniker. Turkey Creek Jack Johnson. Texas there he Jack. goes, off to, write his, <laughs> off to write his hit song, Alone yeah. in My Principles. <laughs> hey, you want to get Fabian away from me? Um... Yeah, so that kind of starts us off, and the so the prostitutes they all they're talking with each other, and I don't know if you got either of you get this probably more Chris, but the the main prostitute Frances Fisher, mm-hmm. it's weird. I've seen her face in so many fucking things, but I've never attached her name to her. She's like one of those wild card like character actresses, actor actresses that I just it's it's weird that I could never have her name stick to the face. Yeah, I mostly just know her name because she was, I think, after this movie, her and Clint Eastwood got married. Oh, okay. So I know her from that. And also I watch Titanic a lot and she's in that. So (laughs) that's right. Okay. Yeah, I recognize the gal you're talking about. That's the main, that's like the lead. She's Rose's mom. Yeah. Yeah. Lead whore. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Whore. So they they're all talking with each other and they're they get up a collection. So they're what sets us off is they they're rousting together like a thousand bucks to like put out a hit or a bounty on uh small dick Mike and uh <laughs> so Davy Boy. Then enter this is probably I I hated this character so much. Don't the, you fucking say it. The Schofield kid. Oh, okay. I'm fine with I, you, Hate. I thought you were going to say English, Bob. It's like, oh, no, you. he's the best part of the fucking movie, and it pisses Thank me you. off that he doesn't get his comeuppance. I was expecting, I was like, oh, yeah, he comes back later and fucking gives it to Gene Hackman. It's like, nope, he just gets fucking bodied and later. Um, <laughs> no, the Schofield kid, I can't stand this fucking guy. I don't, like, I don't even like his real name. That's real yeah, actor's name. Z, James with a Z. But not only that, no. he spells it J A I M Z. Like like it's about to be Jamie and adds a Z. <sighs> Bad parenting. Yeah, that's. Um, mm. Mm. <laughs> this is also coming from a guy who I was fifty percent trolling, fifty percent serious. I was trying to get my wife to name my son Bro, but I wanted to spell it 
like Cajun, like B R A U X <laughs> to make it legit. Um, so and goat, we'll call that a push. Was also on the list. Goat, right? goat was also on the table just because I thought it had a nice ring to it with my last name. <laughs> goat Quinza. but um, you hate goaded. I do, and it wouldn't be greatest of all time. It would just be like goat, like this. He's, I pictured like a little like running back, you know, goat Gwenza, like just fucking just ramming through. That's that's the picture I got in my head. So, um, anyway, yeah, the Schofield kid. I don't like this guy at all, but he some somewhere or another he he catches wind of the bounty and enter uh, Clint Eastwood. He's this fucking hapless old mummy of a pig farmer, and he's like, all right, cool prospects are slim here he's got two little kids he's like all right later kids if you don't hear from me in a week go <laughs> see sally two trees or whoever the fuck and i think the son is like 10 maybe and yeah. the daughter's like five it's just like dude that's fucking rugged man roughing it but yeah so he takes off and forgive me why does he go why does he link up with morgan freeman just that's because the- they used to work together that's like oh yeah, yeah. Friend. He's checking in on him and letting him know he's going. Like, hey, if I'm not back, will you go check in on my kids? Okay, that's what it yeah, was. Yeah, and then Ned, Ned's like, "Well, do you think this kid would split it three ways?" And he's like, "Yeah." I mean, they're both just farmers at this point, which I thought was a little weird. I was like, "If you're so hard up for this fucking money, Clint Eastwood, wouldn't you?" It's like three hundred bucks now, and I gotta go. Th- I gotta go all the way to fucking Wyoming. It's like I know three hundred bucks is a lot in these days, but yeah, I looked it up. That's eight hundred trillion dollars in twenty twenty two. Hell yeah! <laughs> oh, that was good. That was good. Yeah, so that was a little funny to me, but um, anyway, it it more seemed like to me like, uh, hey, you know, old timer, like I'm not going to let your old decrepit ass go out there. Like I'm going to come with you to like look, look things over and make sure you don't fucking get yourself killed and orphan these two children. Um, I could see that at first, but then like as the movie goes on, you're like very clearly Clint Eastwood can handle his shit. Oh, yeah. Like, totally. even before he handles his shit, they tell a lot of stories about just things that he has done in the past. Yeah, when What's-Her-Face, when little Sue starts rattling off his fucking greatest hits, it's like, oh, Jesus Christ, man, this guy's a fucking Or when he's just savage. like, you remember that cattle drover I shot through the mouth and then the teeth yeah. came oh, yeah. out the back of his head? <laughs> yeah, and he's like, why did Jesus I do Jesus Christ. He's like, why did I do that? <laughs> yeah, yeah like, he didn't do anything. Yeah, it was fucked up. It's like, I think about him from time to time. It's like, yeah, that's a fucked up memory. Yeah, especially because now he's sober. I'm sure he thinks about it all the fucking time. Yeah, he probably sees shit, too, like haunting him. Um, So they're off uh, in the wild blue yonder. And I so I pinpointed this, so it's we're going, I don't know where at in Kansas, but they're going from Kansas to Big Whiskey, Wyoming, which... Did either of you guys look up where that is or if that's a real town or fictional? I don't think it's real. I okay. think at the end they say he lived in like Hodgson County, Kansas, which I have no idea where that is either. Okay. Well, either way, on horseback, it seems like a trek. Um, I can't remember how many days that there are, but in, in between here we get the entrance of uh, of English Bob, which I like. This is probably my favorite part of this film. Um 
introducing him and he's 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 throwing around his ego and uh you know he's kind of yeah. seems a little braggadocious but kind of subdued and he's like throwing shade at all these americans and like <laughs> their pre- the presidents and like, i fucking like, love that yeah english bob is like some you know storied gunslinger coming into town to collect on the bounty and there's this he this is like right after President Garfield was assassinated, which I think he says is like the third president in like three decades or something like that. Second in twenty years, which when he yeah, said second that, I was like, God damn, that's yeah, that is crazy. I'd never, I'd never realized how close together uh, his and Lincoln's assassinations were. And yeah, just imagine twenty years ago from now, if there had been two presidents assassinated. Yeah, and he's just yeah, talking that's... mad shit to all these Americans, which it's like if someone said that to me today. I wouldn't fucking care, but you got to think yeah. the time, like possibly they're like some of these dudes, fathers or grandfathers fought in the revolutionary war. Right. So that's yeah. a big affront to them. And like, I just thought it was so funny with his, when he's in the barber shop and he's just like talking about if you were aiming a gun at a queen, you would be, you know, the majesty and awe, you wouldn't be able to fire, but a president, like why not shoot a president? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I liked him a lot, um, and they they just do him incredibly dirty. Uh, from well, I mean, go ahead. Sorry, and I don't know how how they think word spreads back then, but I mean, he kicks the shit out of one guy, and then he's like, "Yeah, I don't think we'll be having any more assassins coming around. Like they're already <laughs> they're already on the way. They left a month ago. Nobody's going to hear about this until the following winter." Yeah, what do you? <laughs> that ought to take care of him. Yeah, I feel like shit would go faster in in Game of Thrones. That's like they have they at least have fucking ravens. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, how is that news going to fucking travel? Even today, there are no major cities between Kansas and Wyoming. (laughs) Yeah, it's a pretty. uh, I mean, even the fucking state of Wyoming is like. I remember when they had, I, I can't remember what year it was. I think it was in the mid to late 90s. Like More cows maybe than it was people. Montana. Like, it was just a big thing. Like, they had just eclipsed, like, one million people population for the entire state. It's like, Jesus. Because Montana and my, Wyoming are fucking big. Yeah. Like, yeah. I want to say, Montana, looking at it, it's got to be, like, I don't know, at least two-thirds or three-quarters, probably, the area of, like, California. I think and it's then the Wyoming's probably like maybe largest half, state. maybe a little less. Yeah, because it's like wow. Alaska, California, Texas are top three. Mm-hmm. New Mexico is actually five, surprisingly. So I'm pretty sure Montana's got to be the only one, other one that's bigger. Damn, that's crazy. Uh, yeah, there's just like there's there's such long stretches of just fucking nothing out there. It is pretty though, pretty country, but yeah. um. So English Bob comes into town and I, I didn't, I couldn't tell if this was just happenstance, like he's coming through or, or or did he catch like, did he catch a sniff of this bounty? And that's why he's there. He was was there. You guys were able to infer that? Because when he's in the barbershop, he asks, they have that exchange of like, where do I go to see strawberry Alice? And they have that conversation about billiards, even though it's not billiards. Right. Right. And he also has, he has his sidekick uh, played by Saul, Saul Rubinek, who is his biographer, W.W. Beauchamp. This guy is fucking slimy. There's not Dude, a whole lot of humor in this like movie, a, like but a like high society. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite thing is just like 
two or three times in the movie, this uh, Saul Rubinick's character is like, I'm a writer. I write. And people are like, what, letters and such? Because <laughs> they can't fathom someone like, <laughs> like, how is writing a profession? Yeah. Yeah. He's definitely like total fish out of water here. Um, I, I don't remember him from a lot of things other than like true romance. I think he was in. Maybe not. I might be confusing it. I think, I think he is. Valky from fucking Perfect Strangers. Or maybe he is. Okay. And uh, that other Nick Cage movie, the one where he, it's like uh, A Wonderful Life or uh, Family Man. It's called Don Cheadle's in it. Family Man. Yeah. Which I will say, that's a, that's a good, mo- that's a good holiday movie. I like it. Yeah. I'm a fan. I fuck, I fuck with Family Man. When the, when the daughter comes home. Word. What? They're calling her Camel Toe. <laughs> <laughs> That's Weatherman. Oh, wait. Oh, <laughs> shit. Damn it. Yeah, you're right. Also he, recommend. Saul Rubinek also Which is in an also, episode of the 1990s Outer Limits where he plays Ryan Reynolds' dad. That, <laughs> that's what I... Yeah. I oh, mean, shit. Dude, callback. That's that's what I wanted. I, I, I meant to say uh, Richard Thomas, John Boy. He's in a, there's a really good Outer Limits episode, the the newer, the like 95 and beyond mm-hmm. incarnation that he's in. That's really good too, where he comes up with like nanobots that are going to save everything. And one of like, one of his colleagues fucking like inserts him because he has cancer and he gets better. And it's kind of like a fly situation. It's like it overruns his body and like, it's a really good one. I can't remember what season or whatever, but it's, it's in the That new, sounds familiar. The, what I think that's on Tubi right now. I want to say they have such good shit that comes up every now and again. Uh, so yeah, English Bob. He's got a biographer, kind of hoity-toity dude. He rolls in and uh, it kind of reaffirms Little Bill as like this like badass that ain't gonna put up with no shit. And I mean, they they play up English Bob like he's a pretty like a cool operator, like kind of killer assassin dude. That, uh, I mean, they play it up with all the other, like, lesser deputies. They're like, oh, is little Bill coming? It's an English bub. You know, they're all, like, shit in their fucking pants. Like, is he scared? Did he say he was scared? You know? And (laughs) he gets there and, like, very quickly fucking uh, asserts his his position as the alpha here and takes his gun and then proceeds to kick the fucking living shit out of him. Um, See, I think that's probably, like... Part of where you you and I differ is like I don't see that scene of him beating English Bob as like asserting his badassness. It's just like, wow, this dude's a fucking piece of shit. He rolls up on a dude with six other guys. Well, yeah, that takes too. his I'm- gun and then sucker punches him and beats him to a bloody pulp. Right. Yeah. I'm not saying it like I'm championing him championing him. Uh, I'm just saying like that's what he does. I mean, he he straight up like dominates this dude in front of the whole town embarrasses him talk shit fucking kicks him in the face like six or seven times yeah i mean i think at this point it's like yeah fuck gene hackman he's a piece of shit um but i mean you can look at it another way i mean he he's maybe he's he's operating in the gray to to keep his town 
this kind of like perfect little sanctuary that he wants. Cause they keep going back to like him and he's like working on his house. He's like, yeah, I want to have a little porch here so I can sit here and smoke my pipe. And like, he's just, he seems like he wants peace, but he's willing to be like uh, an asshole and ruthless uh, to get that. So uh, at any rate, yeah. So English Bob's pretty much out of the picture. There's some more shit talking. And then it also, uh, I thought it was kind of interesting, like that they did this little side story, and they they talk about, um, or Gene Hackman talks about, like how English Bob, like, no, that's not the way it went down. Like when he starts talking to the biographer about how, like, oh, he killed two guns, Corcoran, this way, and then Gene Hackman's like, no, it didn't happen that way, and so that that kind of stuff was interesting. <clears throat> um, little tangent, and then. I don't know. Where do we go from here? Do you guys have any thoughts? We're about the halfway point here, I, I would say. Well, I liked Ish. I liked the the scene in the jail where he lets the biographer out of the cell and they're like mm-hmm. talking more and he gives him the gun and he like tells him to point it at him. Yeah. And then he tells him to give the gun to English Bob and he's holding it, decides not to shoot him. And then when he takes the gun back and empties it, Bob's got a look on his face. The way I interpreted it, interpreted it was... He thought it was empty, so mm-hmm. that's why he didn't take the shot. So when he empties out the sh- the rounds, he's like, "Oh fuck! I had my I had an opportunity to shoot him, but he knew that as right, soon like, as he tried, like like thinking he set him up, like he was gonna give him a gun yeah. with empties. He's gonna click it, and it's like, okay, now I'm gonna punish you. I'm gonna fucking whip you for like, yeah, or just kill you. Yeah. And then it turns out he does have the bullets. Yeah, and then like, and the English Bob's like, "Fuck! I could have taken him out. God damn it." Yeah, I shouldn't have pushed out. Yeah, because little Bill has like his own fucked up moral code that he lives by. So most people would probably hand them right. an unarmed or an unloaded gun, but little Bill wouldn't do that. So he's probably assuming like, yeah, I'm just yeah. Which I think, I mean, I mean, if nothing else, you gotta say that's a pretty ballsy move. I mean, at least he was able to fucking he was willing to risk it because who knows, English Bob could have taken it and fucking just blown him away right there. It is interesting to take like God hates a, a coward. Kind of a light. Oh well, this movie is full of them, so he, <laughs> probably, he probably loves it. Takes a pretty light approach to a guy who slashed the shit out of a whore, um, but then he he has a real thing. Yeah, against, that's what. I, well, he has a real thing against bounty hunters, which uh, I know uh, in this particular case it's not legal. But I mean, bounty hunting back then was a real thing that people could do for a living. So it seems strange that. He wouldn't go super hard on a guy. Yeah, who, I didn't understand the attachment to these cowboys. You know, like why he was so willing not to punish them. I don't know. And maybe it was a purely like it was like a he's looking at it from the economics. Like I'm well, I'm I'm set to get you know four or five horses out of this deal come spring. Well, he's not. Maybe it was that, but yeah. I. What do you mean? Well, the he doesn't the, get oh, horses. Yeah. The owner oh, the, well, you mean to replace. That's fair. Yeah, it would be to replace. It was Skinny's. Yeah. Well, and, and his his rationale for not the saloon for not fucking the guys up was like, haven't we seen enough blood tonight? So it makes it seem like he's not not a violent person. But then he proceeds to kick the shit out of an old man. But yeah, he is, and yeah, but he is a psycho. So yeah, it is weird. Like that 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 um, reticence to to punish these dudes. It's like, yeah, why not? Well, I think especially in that situation where they were, it's like you fucked up, man. You don't do that. 
It's probably because they're whores and he doesn't yeah. view them as like real people. Like, oh, fuck it. Who cares? They're whores. Yeah. Cause one of the things he talks about like constantly is people's like low moral character. So he would probably think, you know, prostitutes are of okay. low moral character. And the reason at first when he comes to the saloon, he wants to whip those guys, but he's just like, you know, I would whip them, but they're, they're good guys. You know, they're hardworking boys, so I'm not going to yeah. do anything. But then he sees, you know, assassins like English Bob on the same par as the prostitutes. Like they're of low moral character. I am superior to them. I can do whatever I want. Which to me seems stupid because it's like you're wanting the, to protect this town and to flourish and everything. It's like, well, you have this whole, I mean, it's not like it's a secret or if it's going away, it doesn't seem like it's going away anytime soon. And there's, they have like eight or nine prostitutes. It seems like it's like, that's bringing people to the town. That's helping like, you know, buttress like the local economy and everything. So it just, I don't know. It seems at odds with like what he's trying to do with the town. I'm not arguing for it's just kind of against. A, I'm saying that that seems like a blind spot for him. I think it's just kind of an ego thing. Like he really enjoys like even having, if he thought it's of low moral character, like those prostitutes, it's like you want to protect your investment too in the town. And that's, that's a big part of that town. Yeah. I mean, he definitely like enjoys the synchro- keeping the, the synergy of everything, keeping the biographer around to serve his own ego stroking. So yeah. Yeah. I, I did notice that there's like a market like, oh, he's got like an interest like in what this biographer's doing, you know, like that's where a little bit like of his hubris kind of comes out a little bit there in his ego. Yeah, because I, I get the feeling he's just another reformed, quote unquote, criminal like Clint Eastwood, Morgan Freeman. You know, he's. A- yeah. yeah, I'm sure he did some fucking bad I mean- shit. They say a, a few times, they're just like, he's out of Kansas and Missouri, which if you know anything about old West history, like, yeah, that was some pretty fucked up shit. That's basically where the civil war started was Kansas and Missouri. So he's no different from Will or Ned or English Bob. He just rationalizes it in his own way. He's just not a bitch <laughs> like they are. <laughs> Call this game fair. I'll go to the papers. The fuck was that? Sounded like Will Patton, but I don't know what that is. It was Will Patton. That was from Remember the Titans. Oh my god, I fucking hate that movie. No, no, man, don't do that. This is something. Don't say that. This is something that only the people that went to high school, where I went to high school, can relate to. People that like you are going about to turn on you. I'm going to say that every day we had a substitute, or like it's movie day in high school. Every single time we watched Remember the Titans. Every single fucking time. Damn. So I fucked for <laughs> that movie with Robert De Niro and Cuba Gooding Jr. about diving in the Navy. Oh, yeah. Uh, is that Men of Honor? Yeah. Which Dude, that one, I still like to... that one, but not Remember the Titans. Dude, Men of Honor is fucking dope. Yeah, that movie's good, but fuck weak side, strong side. Fuck Ryan Gosling in that movie. You blitz all night! I never saw Remember the Titans Titans. or Men of Honor. I was hoping you were going to say radio. They showed you radio. We better change the subject pretty quickly here because I feel feel cut. I've been cut. Look at him. He's getting hot. Hey, I mean, this is one of my top five, and you're talking (laughs) shit about it, so who cares? (laughs) Oh, really? 
top yeah five. No, i fucking okay. love this movie all right well, we, we we got table stakes now okay because you just shit on something that i love um uh, so i just i just have <laughs> one question for chris um why why do i love this movie yeah what, uh, what, what am i not getting I th- I feel like some of the things you were saying earlier, I feel like you do get it, but it's just not for you. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Um, this is one of those, this is the type of movie that I, I really like where it's like on the one hand, yeah, it is thematically rich, but you can also just enjoy it without ever thinking of that and just taking it at face value and watching it as just like a Western movie about some fucked up guy that kills a bunch of people. So I can understand why people wouldn't love it as much as I do. Cause it's, it's just like, this is something that's in my wheelhouse. Like I love Westerns. I love those movies that strike a balance between like uh, pop and quote unquote, like higher art type things. And I feel like all of the performances are pretty pitch perfect with the exception of James Wolvet, but in the scenes where it actually matters, I, th- I feel like he does a good job. Yeah, I, I guess I was a little confused by the overall message because it's like a bunch of uh, former outlaws that are like, yeah, we did some bad stuff. That was pretty bad. And then at the end, it's like, let's do a little more bad stuff. So, like, are we supposed to be rooting for him the entire time? Because I was rooting for him only at the end when he went back to like, I don't want to be this guy anymore, but... I will take exception here. That's when I got on board. So if if the people if people were watching it enjoyed the character up until then, were they disappointed when he resorted to violence at the end? Or, or I would say a- you're probably not disappointed, but I think this is going to sound pretty uh this hand motion right here. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I mean, part of the movie is that it's very reflexive. <laughs> and meta about the Western genre and like the WW Beauchamp character in particular is sort of the audience surrogate. And it's sort of about the push and pull of like the revulsion attraction of like, he's this guy that like, you can tell that Beauchamp really loves listening to these stories of violence, but when he actually experiences it, like he is visibly shaken or like pisses himself at one point. Yeah, which is kind of, you know, one of the right. themes of the movie is that it, you guys have you you reviewed Outlaw Josie Wales, right? Yeah. And like Fistful of Dollars. Yep. Yeah. Where awesome film. Clint Eastwood plays like an incredibly violent character. And in those movies, unquestionably, he's supposed to be a hero. But if you step back and examine that for a second and think about if that person was a real person, like they're actually just a fucking psychopath. Which is sort of, you know, as I was saying, one of the themes of this movie where it's like there are really no good guys or bad guys and the depictions of violence are pretty fucked up. All of the things that Will talks about him doing in the past are extremely fucked up. Shooting a guy's teeth out the back of his head or blowing up a train with a bunch of women and children on it or, you know, any number of fucking things. So, yeah, I mean, you're not I would say you're probably not supposed to be disappointed in him but it's like that's sort of the the thing about it is that you know when you step back and think about it you know it's it's fucking terrifying that people actually did and do these things but then at the same time at the end it's like okay that was that was pretty badass 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I guess I, I, I wrote a note about that too. I mean, I'm kind of a meathead and I, I like to take things at face value and I like, I like good popcorn movies and, but I also like to read into stuff too. And like, and, and, and try to get, you know, like what's the deeper meaning and, and, and those kinds of things. And like, I get it. It's what, what are we saying here? Okay. Yeah. It's like, he's the antithesis. It's like of the, the over glorification of all these Westerns for how many decades, you know, like these are like rootin' tootin' fucking good guys. And, and like, and the glorification of like the anti-hero and this he plays he's like the fucking anti anti-hero um he sucks he's he's a piece of shit all the things that he's he's done and like way later in life he he um you know he finds a good woman that that you know cleans him up and he's like and he thinks about things i mean there there's there, there's some poignant moments in this film i think particularly to me the one that stood out was when he's like one foot in the grave and he's about to die and he talks about you know like seeing the fucking i seen the angel of death i seen the yeah. river he's got snake eyes and he, he like i see i see my wife and she's got worms crawling like he's like the court like things in west like the old-timey westerns they're not gonna fucking go into this level of like thinking about your own mortality and like what happens when right. you die fear being scared it's all this macho you know bravado and and these kinds of things um i thought this is a unique western for sure without a doubt because it, it actually meditates on death and like showing fear and vulnerability i mean this is one of the few films probably the only western where you see uh I mean, all the way from the beginning, he, he can't get on his fucking horse. Uh, he's a terrible shot when he should be a crack shot. Uh, it's not till the very end where he like turns on the juice and it's like, okay, I got to fucking, I got to turn it on right now. But um, yeah. And like he, when he's just about to die, it's like, he's almost pitiful um, seeing him like that. So I get all that. And I like, there's, there's something to be said for that, but I don't know. It just like, it didn't fucking do it for me. Like, it sounds it didn't, like, like it sounds like you think this is me a message that way. movie. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't say that if if what I'm saying characterizes someone saying I think this is a message movie, then so be it. But um the other thing too, the other scene that we didn't we haven't discussed yet, which I think is on pace with where we're at, is out of the blue, they start ambushing these fucking this these this crew of cowboys who have nothing to do with fucking anything that editing that cut to that. I didn't like that at all. Well, it's one like, of them, I can't was remember what the Davey. preceding scene was, but then it's all of a sudden there's a gunshot that, well, yeah. So the, all of a sudden there's a gunshot that rings out and we're up on this like high, they got the high ground. Uh, so Ned and Clint Eastwood and the boy, and there's like five cowboys that have nothing to do with anything roll up and a shot rings out and they all scramble this dude's fucking horse goes down on his leg and then he's sitting there like, Oh fuck my legs broke. I can't, what made, what made these, th what made our protagonists think that these guys had to do. They did. One of them was one of the guys that bounty. was there. Chris one of them was literally Chris the guy Chris that was part in, of the bounty. He is incensed right now. But how did they how did they see that from that far away? And they have these like scribbles on like fucking papyrus of the fucking the the, <laughs> the drawings were like, hilarious for sure. Yeah, they're even 
<laughs> They're even funnier Come in the on. Japanese version, which we'll talk about later. <laughs> but I mean, we have to assume that Ned and Will have 2020 vision. It's only the Schofield kid that can't see. Okay. But still, I think even with good vision, I mean, they're pretty fucking far away. Like, I don't know. So he's one of those people that's in that crew. It's not Quick Mike because Quick Mike has a beard. It's the he's one. He's not in that rabble. It's Davey, it's the, other the one that tries to give the, the extra more innocent pony. of the two. Yeah. Yeah. He's the one that dies. None of the other ones okay. get shot. Okay. So it, I... Okay, so I guess that's forgivable when it because I failed to remember that I don't think the the bounty hunters know they just think it's two guys that cut up a woman. They don't know what the viewers know. Like the other dude, Davey, was to me, he seemed like an innocent dude. Like they're just there to get their fuck on, get some scale, and his buddy overreacts clearly which is an understatement and cuts a woman up and he's trying to actively like, Hey, pull her off. He, like he didn't do anything wrong, but the bounty hunters don't know that. Well, one right? thing, I, one thing I thought was funny was the, the original story he hears is they like cut her face, cut her eyes out, cut her ears off. Oh yeah. They yep. cut her tits off all this but, gnarly shit. And then the second time the story gets told, it gets a little bit worse, like telephone, you know? Mm-hmm. And right. then when he, when he meets the guy, hey, you know the, what? I, 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 what? I was just gonna say I gotta. Cut, <laughs> I, I think I do have to cut a little bit of slack. I'm not. I'm not backpedaling. I still didn't like this fucking movie. Um, but I think I do have to backpedal because I didn't realize. You know, I keep thinking of things from what we see and we what we know is true and the way word of mouth spreads. So understanding that, like, yeah. oh wow, yeah. If like you heard a story where like it wasn't just her face that got sli- sliced up, it was like they cut her tits off and they like. I think he says. Cut her eyes like they out. They did cut everything her ears except off. Cut everything her but cunny, her cunny. cunny off. Yeah, which I've never heard a, I've never heard that term. I was like, oh fuck. I mean, I know what that is right away, but that seems weak. That's but it. But it's that funny prospector slang. Point on it. Yeah, when Clint Eastwood meets her, Delilah, <laughs> who I liked, I liked Delilah. She seemed very cool. Um, and I thought it was pretty fucked up when the yeah. guy was like, "Here, I brought you this pony." And they're like, get, get out of here. I thought she had a look on her face. Like, I would have really liked to have had that pony. Um, I don't know why you ran that guy off. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah when, like, when, Clint Eastwood, when Clint Eastwood, Clint Eastwood meets her and he's like, are you the one they cut up? She's like, yeah, or whatever. You would think there would be a follow up like, huh, I heard you got your eyes cut out, your tits cut off, your ears shoved down your asshole and. You know, <laughs> yeah. I mean, at that point, it's like, well, we're getting a thousand bucks, so who who gives a shit? But yeah, I mean, this is exactly goes back to the whole WW Beauchamp thing of sort of how these things get mythologized through time. You know, a drunk dude shooting a, a guy that shot his own foot off turns off turns into <laughs> like a hero that is defending the honor of a woman, and uh, on the other side of the coin, this crime that is bad ends up being much worse by the time we get to hear about it. I did think it was sweet where he's like, no, you can only imagine back in those days. Sorry, go ahead. That's all right. I I, I do hear a cat. It's not mine for the record though. It's mine. Um, I I thought it was sweet where, Oh damn. Yeah. Is that a boy cat? Yeah. Sounds like it. Oh Jesus. Now I have, now I hear my cat. Yep. Come here. Well, um, I was just going to say, I thought it was sweet where virtually when, oh shit, let me see if my cat can see yours. 
No, oh, she's, are they yeah. the same breed? I mean, domestic short hair. Yeah. Yes, Jim. They're both cats. Um, <laughs> I did think it was sweet when. <laughs> well, it's not like you it's know a what difference I mean. between a Maine Coon and a fucking uh, Bengal. Po- what is that? What What is that one that, that fucking Gold. short hair? It's like a Polish blue or a something. Russian Scottish blue, fold, dude. I've I want a Scottish fold one day. Prussian blue, dude. Those things are dope. I've want now that I know. I I just recently under like discovered Prussian blues, but uh, I have I had it for my desktop background for the longest time. It's this big, fat, fucking majestic ass Scottish fold on like a plaid yeah. pillow, <laughs> and it's just sitting there with this like knowing face. And it's just the biggest fucking unit of a cat I've ever seen. Probably second only to cats to Steve's previous cat, uh, Charles, which was, he called him a seal because he was so big. (laughs) And it literally, like a teenager seal, probably, you're talking. I got a big boy, too. Volume-wise. How much does your cat weigh? One of them is 17.6. <clears throat> down from about 22.3. Charles was 30 pounds. Jesus. <laughs> yeah. He was, uh, he was claimed. He was claimed by, uh, <laughs> being fat as fuck. Oh uh, yeah. Poor guy. But we still have a sister. He's, and he's no longer with us. No, no. It's very sad. But, um, do you, do you remember that to bring some levity? Do you remember that that meme I sent you? And it was a picture of a vet with the sitting down scale. with like a huge oh, yeah. fat fucking cat, and he had a chart, and it was Mesmo the chart. obesity scale, and the the vet is pointing at like the far right end <laughs> of like you're fucking fat as fuck, and yeah. the cat's looking down like he's like studying, and dude, that, and that one cat, kills me every what time. I remember it's that like cat he knows like Charles. From what I remember. Yeah, he was a fucking, like a straight up unit. Just <laughs> built like a brick shit house. <laughs> Dude, I, I I didn't encounter your cat many times, but they are indelibly stamped in my mind. Like the the uh, run that he had mapped yep. out to the tower. Like, like how picture like, you know, a motocross or like a skating, like, like a... Um, or a racing route or American he, like, Ninja started Warrior. from the floor. <laughs> yeah. Like a, like a fucking, uh, 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 what do they call those? Like parkour course or something. <laughs> I, yeah. Like a run or like a line or, or, a, uh, I can't think of the term, a circuit that he did, but it was like, and for, correct me if I'm wrong. It was like, it started on ground level and then he like hopped, like miraculously to the back of your couch. Yep. Ran across. And then there, I think there was a recliner. Yep. And then he hopped onto the recliner and the recliner like did a swivel (laughs) and he like rode it for like a half a second and then jumped up onto your fucking cat tree. Yeah. And dude, I was like, I was like, he's going to take this cat tree down because he's so fat and like the speed and it almost did. And, I remember distinctly like every time a cat like claws into something like with force and there's, you can see their shit retract and, and they're like really gripping onto the fucking thing. And so he's, and he just like 
kerchunks onto the side of this cat tree and it swivels the whole fucking yeah. it's like one of those big ass cat trees and it swiveled it did a full-on boom boom i thought it was coming down and then he like miraculously into that crevice into the house <laughs> you have one of those carpet houses like with an a-frame on the top uh-huh. folded into there i was like dude that's like Granted, I think I was pretty stony baloney, but yeah, it was it was one of the most incredible things I've seen. He was very, very. And athletic. then later on, when like when I was peeking, you you had a hole in yeah. the little house. It was a <laughs> circle the size of like a small dinner plate. And I remember looking up, and his fat ass fucking face was just taking up the whole circle, and he was staring <laughs> at me. I was like, oh fuck, he knows what I'm thinking. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that that particular cat tower. It was Dude. it was homemade by a guy that we just happened to drive by his house, and it was like sturdy as fuck. You know, the like a cat tower you would get at Costco yeah. or something is pretty flimsy. This thing had like four by fours and like a base that could withstand a thirty pound mm-hmm. cat nuking itself onto the top and just you know going <laughs> fucking fuck wild. It was really a testament to this guy's craft, craftsmanship. We eventually had to get rid of it because Char just decided to try to eat, <laughs> eat all the carpet on this house. So it was a real shame. But. Yeah, those fat fuckers will eat anything. My anything. my fat cat has started like licking lotion off, like out of the lotion bottle. He's just like, I just need the calories. Yeah. I just I need them. <laughs> Fuck. Man, fat animals, that's where it's at. Eh. I yeah, mean, I want me. I want mine to lose weight. I got him to lose like five or six pounds, but he's kind of plateaued. I want him to be with me for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, some of them are just built like that. My mom had a fucking beagle that just passed away. It lived like 13 or 14 years, but it was fat as fuck. It was obese. It wasn't a real beagle. It was like an obese, like there's a problem here, beagle. And she would take, dude, she had it on a special fucking diet. She had a special bowl that looks like a maze. So they don't eat it so fast. Like they have to, it's like physically yeah. bars them from <laughs> eating their food so fast. Like you have to chase it around, dude. It was insane. And, uh, dude, it would howl when it was hungry. It'd be just be like, mm-hmm. uh, it was whatever. She took it for walks like twice a day. Like she did there was even a point I think she was giving she took it for a walk and someone drove by and was like, That's not love. It's like she's like throwing up her hands like, Hey man, I'm not feeding this thing ribeyes every night, you know? <laughs> like it's on like a special diet. She babied the fuck out of it, you know? It's just like some animals are like that. Yeah, my fat cat churro. Man, we got um, a fat animal tangent. He is the like awesome name, but for the other ones, you can just leave food out and they will eat the appropriate amount for whatever reason. He's just like, you will overeat. (laughs) So solely because of him, we have to portion out their food every morning and every night. Yeah. Some of them, they just can't control themselves. That's a, I know that's the thing with some big breeds of dogs too, like water, their water and their food. Sometimes if you give them too much at one time, they'll, they'll wolf it up and they'll inhale it so fast that it'll like, it just fucks them up. So you have to get like those, I didn't even know those were a thing, but yeah, like those like physical, it's like they have to play a maze game to eat their food (laughs) every time. Otherwise it'll just be like, like a fucking vacuum cleaner. Um, but yeah, so um, yeah, Delilah, I was thinking... Hard uh, left at Albuquerque there. 
<laughs> I, I did enjoy the scene where Clint Eastwood is talking to Delilah and he's like, no, I don't want to fuck. But it, it's not just that I don't want to fuck you. It's I don't want to fuck anybody. You're very pretty. <laughs> <laughs> so in the yeah, uh, I'm just old, it has nothing to do with your cut up face. My, in the Japanese version, it's not very doesn't nice. He, he says, he, doesn't he says something to her pretty brutal too? Doesn't she's he, he says something like really he doesn't mean to, but he he says something like, like yeah, it's eh, like on, I man. guess I probably look like you right now. Like, yeah. yeah, and then later on in the film, he's like, hey man, uh, yeah, I didn't mean I didn't mean it like that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I was fucked up in the moment. It's like. I know you're a crusty old fuck, but in the remake though, he's like, I bet I look like you. And she looks at him and he's just like, Oh, that was rude. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's all the backpedaling. Like he does. immediately apologizes. Like, yeah. Yeah. He doesn't, he's just like, well, yeah. I meant like what the- I said, but it was rude. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, that I guess that is another hole for me though too, because like yeah, once he gets there and realizes, oh yeah, they didn't do all this heinous shit. I mean, not to downplay the fact that she got slashed in the face like eight or nine times, it's really fucked up too. But and it makes me think too, like especially back in those days when information—I know information now is a double-edged sword—but back then, you know, the way you can manipulate information, and you know the those that win the wars write the history books kind of rationale like i'm sure shit from town to town would just morph super wildly you know honestly it's probably the same talk about you know like they probably heard that story and they're like that there's no way that really happened yeah so they're probably not surprised when it's not true like because today we read stories on the internet and we're just like that's not fucking true like that didn't happen so they're probably just like, you know, I heard this yeah, and that's this, fair. but who who knows? Right. Um, I think, yeah. So that, yeah, that I had a problem with that. Like the way that like he strung out killing that dude. And it's like clear that like, you know, and we, we see poor Morgan Freeman. He's like, he doesn't have the juice anymore. He's like sitting there and he's about to squeeze off around. And then, you know, looks at him and he's like, yeah, I, I can't, I can't do it. Will, you know, like, uh. So Will's got to step in and he like misses three times and then hits him in the belly. <laughs> and I, I mean, I, I don't I think it was interesting to see. It's like most Westerns w- wouldn't examine this part, like, and how slow and drawn out. And it's, he's like, I'm fucking dying, man. Yeah. You know, like it was, it sucked. I felt bad for the guy. Yeah, I mean, not it's even the not part where like, he's screaming for water, and like Clint Eastwood's like, "Give him some water, god damn it!" Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's not like you see in other Western movies where they just get like a a gut shot and you never hear from that person again. It's like if you fucking shoot someone, they don't die yeah. immediately. Like, it's a pretty fucked up thing to just shoot someone like that. Yeah, and I've heard getting shot in the gut is like the most painful way to die. Got me in the spine. My neck. My back. Oh, no, my liver. (laughs) (laughs) My neck and my back. Yeah, that that part kind of, it obviously not as intense, but that part did remind me a little bit of Wade in uh, Saving Private Ryan when he gets shot. Was that Vin Diesel? Uh, But to me, it didn't. No, that's earlier. It says Giovanni Ribisi when he gets shot. Ah. That's the one that. That's the fu- that's the one that's pr- that's hardcore. 
I mean, they both are, but that one hits you a little bit harder. I always thought it was weird how in Saving Private Ryan, like Vin Diesel's last words were like to Tom Hanks were like, Hector's going to be running three Honda Civics with spoon <laughs> engines. <laughs> you're, on top of that. You fucking asshole. <laughs> you're such a fucking idiot. Man. That one got me good. <clears throat> so give me a Corona. This is all about family. <sighs> You can have any beer you want as long as it's a Corona. (laughs) (laughs) Race wars. (laughs) Yeah, it's a very unfortunately named racing event. Yeah, I imagine a lot of people showed up like this is what this isn't what I was expecting. Bunch of clan outfits, tiki torches. Like, wait, what the fuck? <laughs> I guess what you're saying is it doesn't matter if you win by an inch or a mile. Winning is winning. Oh, God damn you. Mm. Move, children. Vamanos. <laughs> so, moving along after that scene. Uh, I think this is where we get to my favorite part of the movie where. Uh, after they kill what's his name in the shitter, which has got to be the absolute worst way to die, is taking a shit. Yeah. Then they they meet the whore yeah. or the, the best. Who knows? Yeah, I, I guess it depends on what you're into. Um, <laughs> there's probably a lot of uh, German pornography centered around taking a shit and getting killed. But um, so then they meet the whore to get the reward. Nasty. Nasty. Do you like that? Um, <laughs> so they get the money. They find out Morgan Freeman was killed in a in a in in what I'm sure is now a very problematic scene of him getting whipped by Gene Hackman. That was rough. So yeah, yeah. it seems watching it. It seems racially charged because it's a black man in 1880 getting whipped, but. Uh, in the script, he is not a black person. Um, Clint Eastwood just was like, he's the best guy for the job. And that scene is in the original script. So whoever ended up playing him was going to get whipped. So it's when you're watching it, you're like that, you know, is he whipping him? Cause he's a black dude, but he also does mention. Whipping well, yeah, he threatened the two cowboys at the whipping beginning. The first guy, I guess, I guess what I was saying was I can't imagine they would do that today just because of the, visual implications um so they find out ned dies and this is one of my favorite things that doesn't make sense about the movie to me the whore says that ned told little bill you know he's this is my partner he's a stone cold savage he's gonna fucking come beans on will money yeah he's gonna fucking come for you and kill you um bye and so then he dies goes away and then when Clint Eastwood comes to town and goes into the bar. Everyone seems uh, conspicuously unprepared for his arrival, even though they've already been told this notoriously violent killer is coming for him in the building where they have his dead friend positioned out front. And everyone's like, whoa, hey, what, what, what's going on? You know, they all seem 
curious. I think it's just like, who the fuck would have the balls to do that? Like show up at the place where everyone's looking for you. Yeah. I took that as like hubris. Clint Eastwood. That's yeah. They just like, they were like, yeah, we got little bill here. We're he's fucked. It's like someone from the FBI's most wanted, just showing up at Quantico and being like, what's, what's up? Let's fucking go. Only if it was preceded by... My name is John Johnson, but everyone here calls me Vicky. Yeah, I guess only if it was preceded by his partner, like, hey, my buddy's going to come here and kill the fuck out of everybody here. So when he shows up, they're like, whoa, hey, what? what? <laughs> What's this guy doing here? Well, the, <laughs> the girl's like, yeah, he wasn't scared by all of those things, which why would little Bill be scared? He's He's heard of people like that before. He's heard of English Bob and... What he hears is not right. anything like the reality of it. Okay. So he's yeah, like, all right, fair. well, I don't give a shit. He, he can talk about blowing things up all he wants. Like, I'll still fucking kill him. I don't care. Yeah, fair enough. I So are, are we at the uh, the, pen, the uh, scene when Will Money comes back into town? He sees Morgan Freeman. Yeah. They have, like a, they have him in a casket or just like leaned against a fucking casket. With a sign that says, this is what happens to assassins. Yeah. Right. And then, uh, yeah, little Bill's given a spiel about, we're going to track him down. We're going to do this, this. Everyone's ammo will be paid for by the sheriff's office. Will Money walks in. He's like, who's the fella owns this shithole? And Skinny, the owner of Greeley's, is like, yeah, I own was, this establishment. That was pretty rad. Clint yeah. Eastwood just fucking shoots him. Uh, little <laughs> Bill's like, you are a cowardly son of a bitch. You just shot an unarmed man. And one of the best lines in the movie is like, well, he should have fucking armed himself if he's going to decorate his saloon with my friend. <laughs> yeah. Jim. Are, yeah, I did. I did like that wording. I, I have a feeling Jim right now is feverishly searching for the bump. Of Tom Sizemore and Saving Private Ryan, am I wrong or no? Where he's like, "You're a coward, son of a bitch." Oh, oh, fuck, buffering. No, but hey, wait, 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 wait. wait. Hang on, yeah, buffering. I can edit this out. I, I still. I Please still don't. It. It's better if you leave it. You are a coward, son of a bitch. Yeah, when he shot Skinny, I was like, Jesus, what the fuck was I love that all Tom about? Sizemore in that movie. And then he's like, but then he explains that. And yeah, you're what like, does oh, Skinny okay. do? Like, all right, fair enough. <laughs> yeah i think tom sizemore is like about to die right he just had an aneurysm he's in icu yeah he's not in a good way which i mean i know he he had a, a pretty oh in real life i think he got himself yeah. back together so good damn that's fucking good, sucks yeah, in real life yeah I, good on just him. like a day or two ago i saw he got yeah. taken to icu because he had a an aneurysm is what it was reported that sucks yeah he's a he's an underrated actor for me, the action is the juice. All of them in the relic. What is that from? You said that in a previous Fucking episode. heat, dude. Is that... F- damn it. I should know that. God damn it. It's like where Robert De Niro's like, hey, you know... Coming here. They're, they're on to us. Like, what are you guys going to do? And he's just like, for me, the action is the juice. Damn. Jim I just wants to say, so sit well. down, Ralph. Um, <laughs> ball my wife. You come in here... You ball my wife, watch my fucking TV, sit down, Ralph! Dude, <laughs> that guy, Ralph Xander Berkeley, he's always <laughs> a fucking shit heel in every movie. He's like the asshole stepdad in Terminator 2. He, he, in Terminator 2, yep. 
I he's even more of an asshole when he's sporting a fucking full beard. It's like you can't pull that off, man. Take that off. Oh, this here's a huge side tangent. I just got back into something. It seems pretty obscure that you might be up your alley. Have you ever heard of Balloonery? The, show, the TV show Lex with with two <laughs> baseball. No, it's uh uh it's Lex with two X's. It came on. It was like around the time of like Farscape. If you remember that, I remember it vaguely. Um, my dad watched Farscape, and I've always been meaning to like go back and look at it because of you know Jim Henson's Creature Shop. That's my shit. But I do remember Lex being on the Sci-Fi yeah, Channel. Did, I don't think I ever it, saw it. I just got into that recently, and I won't. I won't go too deep, but uh, it's on Hoopla. And to sing Hoopla's praises again, it's fucking super rad. If you have a a library card and I think you, you got to check on there. You'll if it's a participating library, um, you get access to a ton of shit. It's not just movies. It's like graphic novels, books, audiobooks, uh, music, all kinds of shit. But, uh, I found, I've found some really obscure stuff on there, including the aforementioned, the cormorant starring Ray Fiennes is on there. Um, and I'm catching up on saga right now. Brian K. Vaughn, uh, that's fucking awesome. Um, but they had uh, Lex is on there as well. And I think and Farscape is on there. But yeah, those were like two. That was in like sixth or seventh, eighth grade around there when those came out. So I've been revisiting that. Uh, I don't know why that made me jump to that. What were we talking about right before that? I have no idea. I have no idea you how we got down this real money hole. shooting people. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess. That puts us towards the end. He proceeds to kill 35 people in the space of like 10 seconds. And he just walks in with a double barreled shotgun and a sidearm. And there's, I mean, there's like 10 or 15 people that are like, oh, fuck, like just townspeople. And then he's like, get out of here. And then he he's, he's back on the sauce for sure. And then he's up at the bar and he notices little Bill hasn't died. He's got a mortal wound to the gut and he goes and talks to him i i thought this i don't know as for as much as i didn't like this movie i really like this exchange like the very end when he's like i'll see you in hell william money and clint eastwood's just like yeah (laughs) i was building a house i don't deserve this and he blows his head off deserves got nothing to do with it i i like that I really like the yeah. part where he just fucking shoot like brains him and he just like he's staring at him and winces but he keeps staring at him. Like, yeah. It's like, oh well that's another thing like that cattle drover yeah. that's gonna fucking haunt you. Right. Yep. So he gets out of there, our boy Ned, Morgan Freeman eats it. I did I wasn't paying attention. As hard as I should have probably, but what happens to the Schofield kid? Does he, he's like freaking out because he killed someone? Does he tell him just like, "Hey, go take the take your share and fucking"? Scoot? He tells Will tells him like, "Hey, take my mo- take the money to my children. If I'm not back in two weeks, bring Ned's share to Sally Two Trees or whatever." She seemed like a real treat, by That's the right. way. <laughs> and then he goes into t- <laughs> then he goes into town. Yeah. She made, there's no love lost between those two. That was one of those things where I'm watching. I'm like, she just, they didn't write any lines for her because they didn't want to pay another person. <laughs> yeah. She literally has zero lines. 
She's just like shooting fucking daggers. Um, yeah. So I, I don't know, man. At the end of this film, I just like I understood they're trying to do something different, so I applaud them for that. But I don't know. I think it could be a combination of things, but just for me, I I didn't enjoy it. Well, let me ask you but this: I can appreciate like them veering from the the standard Western formula and and trying to like point at you know, this isn't something to be like glorified or like, you know, here's a different take on Westerns. And I know Clint Eastwood's like historically, like he's against violence and all these things. So maybe this is like part of like a, his like lifelong vision quest of like atoning for like exploiting that in some of the movies he made over the years. Like dumb. So you're, you're making me, for that, I guess, you're but. making me hate it more with that. <laughs> no, <laughs> Careful. <laughs> I mean, I know you like uh, or you know, No Country for Old Men. Yep. Do you not think that sure. this movie is that that movie follows a lot of similar beats to this one? Not even a little bit. I don't know what to tell you. I mean, you if then. I if if I weren't <laughs> drunk and I could I could and I could think uh, rationally, and if I analyze them over like a two week period, maybe stack them together, maybe I could find some similarities. But like gut reaction, like face value, like I feel like they're totally different. But I would say, you know, a lot of surface both level. of them is that violence is largely senseless and that it's not a fucking video game or a movie. I mean, in No Country for Old Men, spoiler sure. alert, uh, the main character dies fucking Woody Harrelson dies because they're not fucking video game protagonists. Like that's just not how shit goes down in the real world. Right. So maybe that's why some of the draw isn't there. It's, it's kind of like a downer, you know, I remember watching, uh, no country for, for old men the first time and enjoying it, but still kind of on the same level of unforgiven. It's like, this is kind of a downer, you know, like, it's not like, a revenge so, film that you can get like behind and be like, yeah, fuck yeah. We're just like a, a no nonsense, like action shoot them up that you don't have to like think deeply about. Um, so I, I think I, I felt more, I felt the same level of, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I didn't like no country for old men. The first time I watched it. Um, Me but, either. And I've only seen it once. Oh, really? So I don't, I don't like that movie. So I've seen it a few <laughs> times since then. I, I liked it a lot more the sec- <clears throat> like the second and third time I watched it. But to draw another parallel, does not the quote unquote bad guy of the movie get away at the end because of dumb luck, much like this one where he was lucky in the order of shooting people? I mean, yeah. True. Um, I mean, it's, it's an interesting comparison because Shiger in No Country for Old Men is like the undisputed bad guy. Clint Eastwood in this one is like a weird mix of good guy, bad guy. You could kind of argue. It's mostly that in Unforgiven, they don't show him being the bad guy until the very end. At least in No Country for Old Men, there's, you know, scenes with like the shopkeep where he just fucking kills a guy. All the stuff that all of the bad stuff that Clint Eastwood does is off screen. So it's it's harder to make that connection, I think. That's true. But for me, it feels... Shiger feels a little bit more sadistic in the method, like holding when he carrying that fucking, what is it called? Like cow puncher or some shit. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like he's got a really fucking weird method of killing people. And 
he seems very robotic, whereas Will just seems like fucking broken as fuck. Well, I would think that a, a sadist like Sugar is actually preferable because you can like he's getting something out of it. For Will, it's just like he's just a fucking drunk asshole yeah. psychopath. I mean that. I mean that is that is kind of why No Country for Old Men is. is but he a is trying more, to provide for his kids and have them give them a better life. Well, yeah, but I mean that's why No Country I think is more compelling because. You're you're watching like wow this guy's a total psychopath. It's more interesting than you know Clint Eastwood in this movie. He's like yeah, I mean he's a guy who gave up that life, but he needs the money, so he's reluctantly going back into that world. Like okay, I mean yeah, that's that's something, but and then he's forced to confront his demons and think about like what he actually did. And when he's on death's doorstep, he's like he's like you know, really freaked out and it shows someone this, this big and bad can still be afraid and trembled to their core about, about death. Like it's, it, like I said, pitiful. He does seem very pitiful in that moment when he's about to die. He's like, I don't want to die. Like, it's like, man, for like the gross shit that you've pulled off. It's like, put, pull it together right now. But that's, that's part of like the, the reflexivity meta aspect of this film and the hero creation hero destruction vacillation that happens is like you know if you look at the old westerns they like the the protagonists have no interiority like they don't ever think about like they basically don't have feelings like a a john wayne is just the stoic uh man of few words which at points clint eastwood is in this movie because most of his lines are either yeah or i guess (laughs) and but that's contrasted with you know, he does actually have like interior thoughts of like, holy shit, like I've done fucking terrible, unforgivable things <laughs> in my life. Yeah, but that's that's kind of what I like in a Western is just that that prototypical like tough guy, you know. Yeah, no, I'd get that because I like that, too, um, because I, unlike a lot of people these days, I'm willing to submit myself to the fantasy of the film and, you know, be like, this guy is a good guy, even though people like that may not actually exist in real life. I can for 90 minutes convince myself that within the story of this film, that's the way things work, you know? So I I definitely get that because I do like classic Westerns of, you know, or classic, you know, cop movies of this guy's a good guy fighting for justice. He's going to go out and do whatever it takes. I think you should try to rewatch no country for old men. Cause it's, it's a great movie. I loved it. The I second- also hold a grudge against that because it beat out. There will be blood for best picture, which I think is a way better movie than no country. Wow. I've never seen it, but isn't it that. like 19 hours? Yeah, If long? I were to stack the two, to- it's very long. No, it is long. It's not, it's like, it's probably the same as Unforgiven, two, two hours and, and forty-eight something. And you think it's better than No Country? Yeah. Jim, how do you feel? I I would agree, but it, it's it's without knocking No Country. You know, I think they're both he's, really good films. He's agreeing. They're very different films too, though. So he doesn't agree. I wouldn't say reluctantly. Yeah, you hear that. They're just two very different films. And (laughs) if I were to stack them together and say which one is better, I would say this one is better and it's subjective. 
But for me, it's because the performances, even though the performances are excellent in No Country for Old Men, I think Daniel Day Lewis and Paul Dano in uh, The, the Town Will Be Blood are fucking like in like maniacally insane. Uh, another point of comparison I would have for Unforgiven is Drive. Do either of you guys like that movie? Never seen it, dude. That's a is that's Ryan Gosling and that's Nicholas Winding Refn, who is uh, controversial. And I wanted to like it. I really wanted to like it a lot, and it didn't hit me the way that it was overhyped. So I kind of, I, I, I'm willing to on it, on most of these things like that have a reputation. I'm willing to wear some of the the hype that comes with it and buying into it. But for me, I guess from what I interpreted that it was that it was going to be, I didn't. I felt that Drive fell short of what it was built up to be which is unfortunate, but I, I actually liked, I liked, um, the fuck is that movie from like 2013 that what Refn did also with Gosling. It's like tigers. Only God fucking, forgives. Uh, only God forgives. I, I, I was, for some reason I was thinking tigers are not alone, but, uh, um, yeah, only God forgives. I liked that a lot. And that one got fucking panned like pretty hard. Um, so, you know that goes back to the subject subjectivity, but there was a lot out of Drive that I did like. It just something about it just I, it didn't push me over the. I didn't crest the hill on it. <laughs> I wasn't able to. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like with this film, it was edging I guess, you, I suppose. Yeah, totally. It just it wouldn't let me fucking nut. Um, film crew terrorizes downtown New York. I loved every minute of it. What was that? That was just for you. That's a Larry Cohen soundbite that I thought was. was yeah, that didn't sound like his voice. The winged serpent. But the way he was, what he said was like, that sounds like Larry Cohen. <laughs> yeah, he was talking about Q the Wigan Serpent about in like the late 70s or early 80s when they could just get away with a ton of shit. Or they just did stuff and they're like, oh, sorry, it's a movie. They just did and it. And you move along, you know, like. <laughs> Yeah, it's fucking it's cool. Um, all right. Yeah, and this, I mean, I guess this film is, is it it's bookended by this fucking, you know, oh, like he, mar- that, that fell flat for me too. It's like, who the fuck is Sarah? Because he mentions Claudia in the film. Claudia is the woman that fucking got him off the booze and like made him a reformed man. And then there's like this preface and like we end with a little, paragraph about this woman sarah and sonia will money and her it was sonia yeah it was the his wife's mother eventually made the trek to visit her daughter's grave right yeah which is i mean i don't know what they were trying to do there but like for me it was like yeah that was an extra just knock against him like piece of shit like kept his kept this daughter from her mother for all these years she didn't know why but i think geography kept the daughter from the mother okay well i mean that that i mean she she moved ostensibly to be with clint eastwood so i mean you could still put that on him like and and they they bookend it with you know he was a known thief and murderer a man of notoriously vicious and intemperate disposition i i have no connection to sarah or who this person is but I don't know that that kind of fell flat with me too, or it was lost on me. Like, 
it being bookended with those two statements, but other than just like adding adding to the pile of Will Money uh, just being a fuck up. Um, yeah. I mean, there's also a reflexive quality because that La Josie Wales starts with the exact same shot as this movie. Yeah, I, th- I thought it sounded or looked kind of familiar. And that that revenge mean? was much more yeah, justified. Like the little, <laughs> like the little horizon like guy, with the sunset. Yeah, guy working on a farm. Okay. I see what you're saying. Just it's a little bit more pointed in this film that he was like a really bad dude. Yeah. He just didn't per- participate in the Civil War because he thought he was on the right side of things. Um yeah, I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm jaded too because of Clint Eastwood films and what I can expect from like, you know, uh, Pale Rider and, you know, the the Man With No Name trilogy and uh, High Plains Drifter and those. Like, to me, those are like, I, I much prefer those kinds of films with Eastwood. So, I mean, even Josie Wales. Like a great yeah, I, I, I really, that one definitely blistered my ball sack for sure. Yeah, I mean, I, I like them all. Um, <laughs> either way, we can call this one a win, even though I didn't like it. Into the win column. So by uh, by way of, of Chris, uh, we'll add. So I think, what are we at now here? That gives us, uh, I think I think we're creeping into the 85% percentile here. Okay. I don't think I'm using percentile right. Um but it's let's see, we were we were sitting at an eighty four point eight approval rate, and then after Unforgiven, we are at an eighty five point three. So thank you, Chris, for making us watch this stupid fucking movie. No, I'm just kidding. Hey, well, first thank down you as I for, was. I mean, there there are some things that I, I mean, thank you guys for talking about it at least because I know you know this is the opposite of an underseen gem it's a fucking best picture winner i know it's not the type of movie you guys usually cover i know jim didn't like it the first time he saw it so thank you for at least giving it a try um yeah and hey you know yeah. different strokes for different folks yeah i don't i don't know how the fuck this one best picture right but... i don't know have you seen some Do of the other of best picture winners going up against no i haven't so i'm not i'm not the right guy it's, do you, you want to ask scatter shot? Do you want to ask Chris what he thinks about uh, our unreleased episode, or you can edit that out if you don't want to? Oh, of of Highlander? No, no, no. Uh, the other one that we just did. Oh, <sighs> the the one we have banked. Basic yeah. Instinct. Sorry, your video your video has been offset like for the last half hour, so it's fucking me up. Um, Fine. Yeah, I think we let it slip in the last episode. We meant we had mentioned it offhand. Oh shit! That we had it banked. Yeah, me and Steve seem to be synced up, but I feel like Jim's on a delay. Yeah, that's what it is. Lugnut fixed it. <laughs> Bikes. <laughs> <laughs> so, Chris, have you seen Basic Instinct? If, if so, what do you think? The- uh, yeah, I saw that within the past. I don't know, probably two years for the first time. I don't remember anything about it except for Michael Douglas in in a club wearing like a V-neck sweater with no shirt under it and jeans. A deep (laughs) V-neck. I I mean, I thought it was like, it was was fine. 
Okay. I think I th- it was probably pretty long for what it was. Okay. Well, stay tuned. <laughs> to, I'm I'm curious about this too to round out because to me I always lump together uh, Jennifer Eight, Basic Instinct, and Jade as like a some kind of tertiary uh, trinity of. Mm-hmm that feel the same. I just, I don't have a good moniker for it yet, but uh, have you ever seen Jade with David Caruso and Linda Fiorentino? No, it's been on my list for a while. Cause I, I have that same type of thing where I'm just like, I'll watch anything that's like a sexy thriller, or like a dark thriller and the hopes that it's going to be good. But usually it's not that definitely, that definitely fits the mold. And it's, uh, it'd probably be a 50, 50, but Linda Fiorentino gets down. Like she's, she's a sex pot for sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, I gotta say like, it's it's right in that mold of basic instinct. In your last episode with Hydraburg, you guys were throwing some David Caruso slander. (laughs) Hey, I gotta say, I think that was coming from him. I was suggesting for this episode was King of New York and David Caruso's in that. And he, he fucks. Yeah. That's (laughs) I, and I have it on a future docket. So along with a couple other that a couple others that you've suggested, but I, I really like him in that too. I actually like him in kiss of death also, which is the film that he foregoed all that glitz with and Nick cage. And, yeah. Yep. Nick cage is in it too. Like actually it, when, when I think about Nicholas it, it's cage actually, as little yeah, junior Brown he only eats like gold spoons or like sterling silver or some shit. In his teeth. <laughs> Dude, that's actually when I the more I think about it, that's probably like the most un Nick Cage Nick Cage role there is. Like it it really breaks his type. Like he it, he's just like a meathead kind of heavy in that film. But anyway, um he's in it and plays like very non Nick Cage style to me. But which is interesting. And he's fucking beefed up, dude. He's like Tom Hardy and fucking <laughs> the dark Knight, dude. He's fucking yoked in that film. But, uh, yeah, he, he had just like his star started to grow with like NYPD blue for like a season or two. And he was like hot shit. And he got offered a film and it was like, I have to take this film or quit NYPD blue, which was like in like 94, 95 was like, he was on fire and he said, fuck it. Fuck TV. I'm doing movies and kiss of death came out. And it was like, I think it was panned, but it's later become on. It's come on to be like accepted as like, Oh, it's pretty good. Like I wouldn't say cult classic, but uh, I think Sam Jackson's in it too. I haven't seen it in a long time, but I remember when I was watching, mm-hmm. I was like, I liked it a lot. I like Caruso in that session nine and King of New York. Everything else is, it's, it makes it seem like, you know, he should have stuck with NYPD Blue probably for himself. Because I think the next greatest thing he's known for is like fucking CSI Miami or some shit. But um, how do we get on Caruso? Slander? I like him. I think he's fine. I like him Because you were talking shit about him. I don't know if I was. I may, have been, I may have agreed about, I don't know what. What was he in that brought him up? Anyway, I think he was talking about plan. Uh, I like uh, session nine. Session a lot. nine. I think it's a good, creepy, oddball kind of film. You don't like it? You're not a fan? Wow. All right. All right. Um. 
So I have a uh, one-star IMDb review game a la the last time we did this, if you guys are interested in that. Hell yeah. Fuck yeah. All right. So for anyone that doesn't know this, I took... Piece of delivery for robbery, homicide. (laughs) (laughs) I took two one-star reviews from IMDb. One is for Unforgiven. One is for a completely different movie. Jim and Steve have to guess which is which. So, okay. First one-star IMDb review is, I guess I'm the only one on planet Earth who thought this film stank. The acting from the supporting cast was cringeworthy, and so was the script. The plot was too sappy and annoying. Sad music for two hours. No humor. No adorable characters, characters to enjoy. No awesome sexual tension. No incredible heart-thumping soundtrack. But everyone just seems to love it. I've never felt more gaslit in my life. Okay. <laughs> the second... Yeah, we had to use the G word. <laughs> the second one-star IMDb review is... So I went through the terrible and horrible experience of watching this quote-unquote movie... I thought, quote unquote, Spice World was the worst movie ever. But this now holds that title with this disgusting, quote unquote, movie. Easily the worst movie my girlfriend or I had ever seen. And between the two of us, we have seen some real winners. (laughs) First, a lot of people think this is some kind of grand statement, but it's not. It's a mad dash to show you every disgusting image you can think of. Sure, it's nasty, but in a nation with Gigi Allen, Eminem, and John Wayne Gacy, the shock value is gone. And disgusting for disgusting's sake doesn't make any kind of profound statement. And the plot? Dot, dot, dot. How are these people at a crossroad in their life? Somewhere, right now, as you're reading this, someone is plotting the torture and murder of a child for sexual gratification. How are the characters worse off than those people? I can't think of a good thing about this movie, except that (laughs) I've seen it now and won't have to again. Uh, I'm going to say that both of those are for It Follows. Because it's garbage! Dude, that just threw me through a loop. Like I I feel like Unforgiven has to be the first one, because number two is so batshit and seems so... Before you answer... Far departed from what I could characterize. Can you confirm that one of those two is actually for Unforgiven? Or are you throwing us for a loop and they're both for It Follows? One of them is for Unforgiven. It's, I mean, it's got to hey, be the God first damn one. You don't do that. It's got to be the first one. I mean, the second one is so... If I'm honest with myself? Yeah. I'd have to say $900. I said $9,000. Um, I mean, the second one is so descriptive... You want to with like the Gigi Allen? It's got to be like (laughs) it's got to be a shit or puke or blood. Well, I love the part where like Gigi Allen and Eminem are equal to John Wayne Gacy. Yeah, where does Eminem come into that equation? Is the second one for prisoners? So you, you, Steve, think the first one? Before you answer, I want to. I want to say this. I want to guess what I think the second one is, and I think the first one is Unforgiven. Okay. Steve, what say you? Yeah. Yeah, I think the first one's for Unforgiven, and I don't know. The second one, Prisoners? Unless I'm wrong. Do you have a wild wild guess for what you think the second one is? 
other than what I've said twice or <laughs> <laughs> what? I'm sorry, dude, I'm drunk and this fucking delay is fucking up my universe. So I'm sorry. Well, it's a corporate kiss, butt, man, <laughs> you have an F five coming in. Uh, I said prisoners, but I don't, I'm not fully married to that. So, okay. Christopher. So you, so you both think number one. It's a corporate kiss, but man. Yeah. But that makes me think we're both wrong. (laughs) Yeah. I think we're we're both at least on board. Yeah. Unforgiven is the first one. You both are wrong. Number one is Top Gun Maverick. (laughs) Dude, that. Read it again. (laughs) (laughs) It's only fair that if I shit on it follows, I got to shit on something Steve loves too. Uh, So here is, here's the number, the one star review for Top Gun Maverick. (laughs) I guess I'm the only one on planet earth who thought this film stank. The acting from the supporting cast was cringeworthy. And so was the script. The plot was too sappy and annoying, sad music for two hours, no humor, no adorable characters to enjoy. No awesome sexual tension. Wrong. No incredible heart-thumping soundtrack. <laughs> Wrong. But everyone seems to just love it. I yep. have never felt more gaslit in my life. Wrong. Wow. The adorable characters is what gets me. It's like, I don't like that. God, can you Cut, Im- excise that? Can you imagine being so Please. wrong in such a short amount of time? I mean, the more insane thing is that... The second review thought that Unforgiven was shock value for shock stake. Yeah, that doesn't make shock stake. And also they randomly started talking about child murder for sexual gratification. Yeah, that was yeah, I mean, that was I, a, that was a good diversion, Christopher. Um that that one actually I it fell out of my brain when you said it, but honestly the second one I was thinking this is so wild and like like psychedelic and ribald i thought it was like this has to be for like speed racer or some shit like like something really off the fucking wall so it's like it's really like blowing my mind that the second one is is against a knock against unforgiven i mean that's why you're saying it's why you have to play the game because you just never know you're saying that top gun maverick does in fact have awesome sexual tension Hell yeah. The barkeep and uh and old Mav. Chris, have you seen Maverick? Nah, I haven't seen it. I was lukewarm on the first it was one. Cool. I'd say okay, it was the cool. first one is not that great. Oh, I dare you to watch the second one and tell me it's not you both great. Are wrong. You know shut up, Jim. Um Christopher, I will bet you ten dollars <laughs> that if you watch the second one, you will like it. I dare you. I don't think so, but maybe. I will bet you. I think Steve is, the score is one to zero in the uh, IMDb (laughs) one star review game because he got It Follows right. Yeah, I've pretty much crashed and burned. I don't think I got the It Follows one right last time. You definitely guessed it was It Follows. I remember that. Huh. And me being the gracious person that I am, I never thought someone would double cross me in that way. <laughs> so it was just completely off my radar that that would even be a possibility. So I'm going to call that like a handicap on, on the first question, maybe if we can work that in somehow, but 
Um, okay. All right. Well, I don't. I. <laughs> I don't. We don't have a colloquial corner or any. I have one sort of uh, prepped, or I don't. Saving the day. So Ghostbusters two. It's an awesome soundtrack. <laughs> I don't have a term for this Saving the yet, day. but I'm wondering if there is a term for this. So it's a call to both you guys and your listeners of the phenomenon of scrolling through Netflix and it plays the preview of something you absolutely hate and it just pisses you off. So I'm the, the thing that brings this up for me is that uh, my significant other, every time we pass a Burt Kreischer stand-up comedy special and he starts talking <laughs> with his shirt off, she immediately gets fucking pissed. Neither of us have ever watched any of his stand-up specials. But she is immediately angry Curious. every time we pass and he's fucking talking about the machine yeah. or whatever the fuck. His yeah, 2004. I got <laughs> So I propose it's called being called Kreischer, <laughs> but I feel like there's a better term for it. And I'm just, <clears throat> I feel like someone else has experienced this and come up with a more clever thing for it. Yeah. I mean, for me personally, I've done it on cable where if your TV's off and you turn it on and it's on some channel you don't like, even when you're scrolling, I want to turn the channel because I don't want my TV to think I like what I'm watching. <laughs> so, but what you're referring to is different because it's more, it's more intuitive. So if I, if I log into Netflix and it's under my account or my, the missus, um, I am I am worried about the fucking algorithm. So if she watches, oh god! If she watches something Watch under it my on your own Netflix profile, or or whatever. God damn it! So, yeah. So similar so thing might- happened recently to us. She wanted, she really wanted to watch the uh, Rihanna halftime special, and so she was on my YouTube account on our TV, and she clicked on some Ben oh, Shapiro boy. video, and I was like, "No, fuck no, get back out, back out, my algorithm." Yeah, so I, th- I think there's, I mean, that's Dude, what he Rihanna's said. fucking halftime special was dope. You you are so fucking stupid, dude. Go to. All right, it's bedtime. Unit, you are so dumb. I don't even. I don't. I don't even. I don't even know you. Um, yeah, so there should be like an algorithm term, like malgorithm, like you're fucking. Go up. to bed, you sons of bitches. Like mal is Spanish I like for, that. for bad. You're fucking up my algorithm. The same thing happens with me and the old lady when she's on my Amazon prime and she starts ordering weird, like makeup or, or lady shit. And it oh starts yeah. Fucking up my recommendations. So malgorithm. That's a good one. That is very good. I'm on board. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think more households with significant others should have separate shit. And I, d- you do on Netflix. You you can have separate profiles. It's like use now. yours. No, I don't want to watch fucking Paw Patrol. I don't want to watch. I don't want to watch. Uh, what's the new one? Bluey. Jesus Christ! Are you talking about your wife or your kids, dude? There's like a ro- a steady. Oh, my kids. It's oh. a hardcore dude. It's it's a it's a hellstorm of ninety day fiance. 
Hell yeah. Sister Wives, Bluey, Paw Patrol, and fucking, um, what's the other goddamn one? Dinosaur Train, motherfucker. <laughs> Dude, Dinosaur Train will drive you to drink, man. Dinosaur Train! Yeah, Dinosaur Train sucks. It's been a fun one. It has, to be sure. Cool. Well, even though I, I didn't like this film, and we'll probably never watch it again, there are some things to pull out of it, I will agree, but at least we can chalk it up as a win for Steve. We're expanding horizons. Yep. Film he's never seen, so thank you for bringing that to the fore, yep. Chris. Um, and as always, the fun uh, side quests that we get to go on are always uh, welcomed. Um, I think next week we have plotted... What do we have? Oh, we're, we're dipping into, uh, we're going to go into some bond. We're going to have staring John come back for, uh, the first of the, we're going to do a monthly series of the bond or the Craig bond era, starting with casino Royale next week. So that's available on HBO max streaming, otherwise rental. So if you want to rewatch that one and, and listen to our thoughts on that, we'll be coming back with that next week if you want to reach out to us have any questions speak up for unforgiven you can reach out to us at wax at waxing the porpoise.com for email both of our socials instagram is waxing the porp twitter is at waxing the porp chris do you want to give a quick plug for channel 83 before it goes away yeah you can uh, reach me at uh, channel 83 podcast at gmail.com or on instagram channel 83 pod i am down to guest on any and all podcasts so yeah just hit me up yeah you're a good time you're uh you're a fan favorite of the uh the the wax crew thus far high praise for sure we always enjoy having you on your host favorite christopher I'm like the uh, Capadonna of the Waxing the Porpoise podcast. That's a reference for all the kids out there. I don't know what that means. What does that mean? Uh, can, man, Capadonna was like the us. unofficial. He was like an affiliate of Wu-Tang Clan. He wasn't actually in the Wu-Tang Clan, but he was affiliated with them. Oh, damn. Very timely reference. <laughs> all right, so you're not invited back after I, that. I'm uh, not a Wu-Tang <laughs> aficionado. So I don't know what that means, but I, after your, uh, your summary, I think I know what it means. Um, quick question. Speaking of that made me think of, uh, RZA in, had a cameo in, oh, fuck. What is it? Jim Jarmusch, uh, Forrest Whitaker, GI ghost of the samurai. Is that what it ghost is? Ghost dog. You ever seen that? No. Ghost dog. Fuck. Started watching it and fell asleep. It's a good film. I want to watch it. It is one of those films. It could put you to, it, yeah, it, you don't need a prescription. If you need to fall asleep, that will, that it could fit the bill for sure. But it is, it's also an excellent film. Very slow. Got to be in a certain mood for it. High attention span. Check it out. That would be a good one for this show. I'm going to, I'm going to add that to the list. Steve's camera is frozen, but I can tell he's hungry. Yeah, I'm sure he is. I'm dude, I'm fucking hungry too. I skipped dinner and my time it's like eleven fourteen, so I'm fucking starving. Yeah. Casino Royale next week. Thank you very much, Chris, for joining us. Thank Always you. appreciate having you on. Leave us a, a like, rating, review, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, and uh we'll see you next week. Thanks again for joining us all. Bye. Bye.
Boner alert. You blitz all night! You, you didn't...